So this is graduation Sunday, and we are the youth band. Y'all ready? Nope. All right, we're going to start. Into marvelous light I'm running Out of darkness and out of shame By the cross you are the truth You are the life You are the way I once was fatherless Awakened me, awakened me from my sleep. Your love, it beckons deeply, a call to come and die. By grace now I will come, take this life, take your life. And sin has lost its power, death has lost its sting. From the grave you've risen, victoriously, into marvelous light I'm running, out of darkness and out of shame, by the cross you are the truth, you are the life, you are the way. dead heart now is beating, my deepest stains now clean, your breath fills up my lungs, now I'm free, now I'm free, my dead heart now is beating, my deepest stains now clean, your breath fills up my lungs, now I'm free, now I'm free. Sin has lost its power, death has lost its sting. From the grave you've risen, victoriously. Into marvelous light I'm running, out of darkness and out of shame. By the cross you are the truth, you are the life, you are the my hands and spin around see the light that I have found oh the marvelous light marvelous light lift my hands and spin around see the light that I have found oh the marvelous light marvelous light Marvelous light, I'm running out of darkness and out of shame. By the cross, you are the truth, you are the life, you are the way. 
my sorrow and dead in my sin lost without hope and no place to begin love made a way and let mercy come in when death was arrested my life began Nash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. Morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. Loose from my chains, I'm a prisoner no more. Shame was a ransom. Faithfully born, cancel my debt, and he called me his friend. When death was arrested, my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have. Made me new, now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new, now life begins with you. Savior, this. Laid on a criminal's cross Darkness rejoices the heaven had lost Jesus arose without freedom in hand It's when death was arrested my life began Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new. Begin. 
life began When death was arrested My life begins When death was arrested My life began Well, good morning, good morning. You guys can take a seat. Uh, welcome. Glad that you chose to be here with us this morning. It's a special day, one, because we get to gather together and worship King Jesus, right? Amen. It's also a special day because we get to honor our very special graduates this morning. Uh, so we're very proud of them. Uh, a couple of announcements before we get going. One, if you'd like to receive uh, the communications coming out from the church and you're not signed up for our emails, we send everything out through our virtual bulletin. So if you uh, aren't getting emails, if you will let us know and we'll, we'll get you on the list, all right? Also, uh, Clay Alverson's class, uh, Biblical Manhood, I think is what it's called. That's a, that would be a good thing for it to be called, Biblical Manhood. Uh, it's starting, a new session is starting uh, just coming up this next week, all right? So you can see him to get involved with that, and you can start at any time, all right? So, uh, without further ado, we're going to play you a video, uh, get your tissues ready, because you might cry, I don't know, maybe, so take a look at this video, and then we'll uh, recognize our graduates. Wash me in the water, cleanse me in the mercy of your I need a heavenly Yeah. 
always find joy in the smallest of things That is what we found in you Oh, 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 you are joy Never give up when the going gets rough Hope is everything you need Oh, 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 you are hope Oh, 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 you are hope Don't forget you're not alone The Holy Spirit wants to guide you on Journey child will never end Once your heart's been marked by a love for him The smallest of seeds grow the largest of trees You just have to believe Oh, 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 you are faith There will be those who try to bring hate Love will turn the heart around Oh, 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 you are love Oh, 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 you are love And don't forget you're not alone The Holy Spirit wants to guide you on Journey child will never end Once your heart's been marked By a love for him Oh, and everything you say and do Let the Father's light shine inside of you Don't back down or be afraid You have power to stand in Jesus' name Always find joy in the smallest of things That is what we found in you Oh, 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 you are joy Okay, we're going to start out with Michaela Torres. Michaela, Michaela is the daughter of Jeremy and Naomi Torres, and she will be graduating from Lufkin High School. She plans to attend Stephen F. Austin State University to major in kinesiology and transfer to physical therapy school. <laughs> Alyssa Splinter. Alyssa is the daughter of Pablo, Pablo and Linda Splinter and graduated from Obika Homeschool Academy. She plans to attend Stephen F. Austin State University in the fall to pursue a bachelor's degree in nursing. 
Keely Overby. Keely Overby is the daughter of Jeremy and Chastity Overby, and she graduated from Overby Academy. She plans to attend, she plans to continue working as a nanny and continue at Angelina College in the fall. Joran Audrasil. Joran is the son of Robert and Shireen Antley. He will graduate from Huntington High School and plans to attend either college or trade school. Ariana Nicole Morales. Ariana is the daughter of William and Xenia Hillman. Ariana will be graduating from Lufkin High School and she plans to join the Navy or attend college at Nebraska Wesleyan University. <laughs> Madeline Howard. Maddie is the daughter of Steve and Megan Glass. She will graduate from Lufkin High School and Maddie has enlisted in the Marine Corps and will leave on June 21st for boot camp. Her ultimate goal while in the Marines is to obtain a PhD in forensic profiling and hopefully move on to become a forensic specialist within the FBI. <laughs> Micah Ray Douglas. Micah is the daughter of Doug and Wendy Douglas, and she graduated from Lead Academy. She plans to go wherever God leads her, and her first steps will be taking a break from school. She would love to put her phlebotomy and EKG technician certifications to use as a test to see if she would like to pursue something in the medical field while saving lots of money. <laughs> Dalton Curry. Dalton is the son of Brandon and Aaron Curry, and he will graduate from Lufkin High School. He plans to attend Texas State University in San Marcos to pursue a double major in photography and graphic design in hopes of opening his own photography studio. Reagan Crow. Reagan is the daughter of Lisa Crow. Following graduation from Lufkin High School, Reagan will pursue her degree or her dream of becoming a medical examiner. She plans to attend the University of Texas at Dallas in the Collegium Five Honors Program, where she will double major in biology and criminology on a pre-medical track. After she earns her bachelor's degree, she will attend medical school, work as an autopsy technician to gain more experience, and complete a forensic pathology fellowship to prepare her for her career. <laughs> Sydney Pearl Carnley. Sydney is the daughter of Justin and Casey Carnley, and she graduated from Lead Academy. She plans to continue working and soon begin her career in photography and graphic design. Her goal is to one day become a certified special effects artist working with various production companies in the film industry. And Lord, we know that you've been with them every step of the way. 
and that you will carry them forward in each and every step that they will take. We're so glad, God, that we can make our plans, but God, you order our steps. And I pray, Lord, that our graduates would fall more in love with you and that as they go into the next chapter of their life, God, that you would uh, be gracious to them, that they would hold on to you tightly, that they would accomplish the task you've given them. God, we're grateful for their parents who have discipled them so well to know you, to love you, to follow you. God, we pray a special blessing over them today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to continue in worship. You can sit, you can stand, however you would like to worship the Lord. Let's do that this morning. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb Till I met you I was breathing but not Alive. Oh, my failures I tried to hide. It was my turn till I met you. You called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day, you called my name and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. Now your mercy has saved my soul Now your freedom is all that I know The old made new Just when I met you Called my name And I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day you called my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day Call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love. 
out of the darkness into your glorious day. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. standing can we go ahead and stand so we can uh read the scripture anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock but anyone who hears my preaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. song we could ever sing, worthy of all the praise we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever bring, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one we could ever see. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. And holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your love and lead me in your love to those around me. There is none beside you, 
Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in love to those around me. Fear 
my heart within Fear has known my Show how far love would reach The nails driven into my Savior Driving the fear out of me Lies that condemn me are broken Shackles are shattered by love The word of the Father has spoken Heaven declares it is done, so it is done. He has called my name. Oh, what a sweet refrain. Mercy has called my
Lord God. God, thank you for today. Um, Thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together as your people, um, Lord, and to celebrate um, these young girls, these young, wonderful men and women um, who are graduating. Um, Lord God, I just want to pray for Adam as he comes and brings your word. Uh, May you speak through him and bless us. Amen. Good morning, good morning. Um, man, such an exciting opportunity to uh, be able to bring God's Word to you this morning. Uh, Pastor Mark asked me earlier in the week, he said, hey man, are you just going to like do a little small devotional or what are you going to do? Are you going to preach? I was like, no man, you're giving me the microphone. I'm going to preach. I'm going to take an hour and a half. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We'll be out of here pretty soon. Have you ever heard a story so many times in Scripture, uh, or you've read it so many times in Scripture, you think something like, well, I know this already. I already got this. I got this. I I know this. You know, like when Pastor Mark quotes Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, again. (laughs) Like, Pastor Mark, I know this already. I got it. I got this. You, auto, you automatically switch out of your, uh, your Bible app and you go over to Instagram and, you know, you're, you're looking up what's going on there. Or uh, you head on over to Twitter. You want to see what Elon Musk is up to. Is he going to buy something else today? Let's find out. Or students, you'll be sitting in your Bible study class and your Bible study teacher will pull up uh, Moses in the burning bush. And with a thousand eye rolls, you say, not this again. I got it. I know it already. I know this. Sometimes it's not even so much about reading Scripture that seems redundant to us. Sometimes it's, it's more like we feel really secure in our own abilities, right? There's a big test coming up. No need to uh, talk, talk to God about it. No need to pray. I've got all A's, baby. I'm good. I got this. Big, de- big deadline is coming up at work. No need to consult God about this. You know what? I got it. I've done it a thousand times. I got this. That coworker or that, that person in class, right? The really annoying one, you know? You know the one. They just popped in your mind right now. The really annoying one? Yeah. No need to consult God about how to interact with this person. I've done it a thousand times. I know how this goes. I got it. Well, Scripture gives us plenty of examples of People who thought they, they had it. This, I got this sort of attitude. I have arrived kind of a thing. Spoiler alert. It didn't work out very good for them. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve literally walked in the garden. Not figuratively. They walked in the garden with God. They got to talk to Him. They got to ask Him those questions. You know, like the really hard questions that you ask other people. And they're like, I don't know, man. I guess you can ask God when you get to heaven. I got no idea. They got to ask God those questions. Yet they succumbed to the temptation to trust themselves more than they trusted God. 
Peter, another example. Peter, we all like Peter because Peter's fearless, but also Peter's kind of dumb, you know? He like does silly things all the time. He saw the miracles. He walked with Jesus. He sat with Jesus, right? He sat with Jesus as he breathed new life into the scriptures they had grown up uh, learning and memorizing. Uh, he watched Jesus heal the blind and heal the sick and raise the dead. And yet he failed in those pivotal moments after Jesus' capture. Scripture is filled with all kinds of examples. Those are just two. If they failed, who are we to say, I got this, right? You can read a scripture a thousand times, a hundred thousand times. You can listen to Pastor Mark read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, 100,000 more times and still not know it as well as God. You can do the simplest minute task. The ones that you know you can do, blindfolded, sleeping, with your hand tied behind your back, and you won't be able to do it as good as God can do it. The moment you think, I got this, you've put yourself in a position to be your own king, to make yourself a, a mini-god. There is only one true God. You can't be a god, just, you know, disclaimer. And so what happens is that now you're building your own kingdom based on your own abilities and your own strengths. And you basically just went up to God's throne and said, hey God, this is a really nice throne. I like it. It's all majestic and everything. It has gold on it, velvet. It's really nice. I love it. You know what? You work all the time. Why don't you just take a break? You get up, you go over there, and I will sit on your throne. I want to be my own king. The question is, do you really want a God that matters so little? That seems unnecessary. Today we talk about one thing, and it's your kingdom come, my kingdom crumble. Your kingdom come, my kingdom crumble. Amber, uh, some time ago, Amber is my wife, Shalady. She's beautiful. She's awesome. She, uh, she spoke on this very topic uh, some months ago at a, at a girls' retreat. And man, does she have just a wonderful story to tell about how God dealt in her heart about this very thing, about my kingdom crumble, your kingdom come. I'm sure she'd love to tell you that story. I won't tell it for her. Um, but yeah. I get all my material from Amber, so. <laughs> that, thank you. Smart man, yes, yes. Guys, notes, take notes. Listen, I, I don't want to stand up here and beat you up this morning spiritually, okay? That's not what I'm trying to do. I want you to know that you're not alone. I struggle with this as well. Uh, I struggle with it often. But my prayer for us this morning is that this will be an exhortation uh, to all of us in the room about how God wants to use us, what He wants to do in us and through us. And especially as I thought about what I would tell our graduates this morning, uh, this seemed very appropriate as we move into the next chapter of your life. You'll be wrestling with questions, you know, like, what do I do with my life? Uh, where's my career headed? 
you know, uh, and whatever you end up doing, wherever you end up going, you know, I want this to be the thing that you remember, is to build God's kingdom. So, uh, I, you know, I started studying this topic, of course, because Amber has a wonderful story to tell, but uh, like I said, I struggle with it as well. Like uh, on Sunday mornings, when not one, but, but both of my kids want to come into the office early with me, all right, at 8 o'clock, you know, I, you know why I get here so early? It's so I can read over Pastor Mark's sermons for just in Casey's, you know? I love you, Pastor Mark. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to get anything done with them here, right? And then I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, Adam, bring them with you. Why? Because you're cultivating a sense of excitement and awe about me when you bring them. Keep that up. They're going to need that later, you know? The other day I was headed to go see my mom, and my plan was to just go straight to her house, but I have this nephew who's been making some silly choices in his life, and, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit just sort of said to me, hey man, what if you try and connect with him? Because nobody's been able to connect with him. He's doing his own thing. And I got a hold of him and was able to go eat lunch with him and give him some wisdom. Or at least I hope it was wisdom. And man, my plan was one thing, but God wanted me to do another. Right? And so there's, there's this internal struggle all the time. All of us have this, right? Between our flesh and the Holy Spirit. Between what our our carnal self wants and what the Holy Spirit wants, between our will and God's will, between building His kingdom and building my kingdom. I daily take my life into my own hands. I make myself a king, an idol, a little, and, 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 and I carry little Jesus around with me in my pocket sometimes for just in case he's, right? Just in case he's, I need you to pop up out of there and fix this thing for me or whatever. And when the Holy Spirit started dealing with me on this topic and, and sharing with me how well, the various ways I try and kick God off the throne of my heart, I began to remind myself that my primary goal as a Christ follower is to build His kingdom. To make His name great, not Adam's name great. So, uh, I'd like to take a look at uh, an Old Testament guy. His name is David. David's a pretty, pretty awesome guy. guy. He, um, he's known as a, a man after God's own heart. But did you know that God said this about David before he became king? Before he became king. It's almost as soon, uh, it's almost as if, as soon as David got a little prestige and a little power, he started struggling to chase God's heart. So I want to take a, a closer look at him. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And uh, while you're turning there, I'll give you some, some background. Uh, it should be on the screen for you as well. Uh, David. David was the, the shepherd boy tending the flocks, the flocks of his father, right? And uh, this is the same David who killed the bear and slayed the lion protecting his sheep and Eventually, God uses him to uh, slay the giant Goliath. Saul, Saul was king before David. 
uh, and Saul decided to bring David into his, his circle so he could you know, uh, provide some wise counsel for Saul and play the harp. It probably sounded much more soothing than that. So uh, uh, Saul began to get really da- jealous of, of David and uh, eventually tries to kill him. But uh, the Lord removes Saul from kingship and uh, enters David, raises David up as the king of Israel. So Saul is out, David is in, and one of the first acts that, that David does is to rescue the Ark of the Covenant. All right? Now you'll remember the Ark of the Covenant is a wooden box. It was overlaid with gold. It had cherubim on it. Who even knows what those are? Have no idea. We can go look it up. There are cherubim on it. And uh, so what happens is that God tells them to carry this Ark of the Covenant around with them as a reminder of God's presence with them. Now, the Israelites were to carry it on long poles. And uh, again, as a reminder that God's presence presence was with them. And at one point in Israel's history, God allowed the Philistines to overtake the Israelites uh, because they had been disobedient to the Lord and the ark was stolen. And so when we pick up here in chapter seven, David has just brought the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem. They had a big parade. Everybody was so happy. There was dancing in the streets. David was dancing. I don't know. He was dabbing. He was doing something. Whatever they were doing, it was, it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. And the crowds were chanting David's name. David, David, David. Really exciting time. So that's where we pick up in verse 1. It says this. After the king was settled in his palace, speaking of David, And the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. He said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. It's just out there in a tent, y'all. Have you ever had a moment like that? A moment where you're just sort of on top of the world. Everything's going your, your way. Perhaps it's a moment like this. It's graduation. Things are going really good right now, right? You've got the grades, you've got the friends, you've got the personality, you've got the college you want, the scholarships you want. You're feeling cute. You take a selfie, you throw it on the socials, hashtag feeling cute, may delete later, I don't know. You can accomplish anything, right? Someone told you that the Bible verse you put on Snap this morning was excellent. It was so inspiring. And all of a sudden, you're the next Mother Teresa, right? I got this. Let's do this, y'all. Follow me, y'all. Come on. I got this. So David was feeling pretty mighty himself, all right? He's won the heart of the people. The crowds are chanting his name. He's feeling cocky. I think that's the right word. He's feeling cocky. So David, now sitting on his throne, enjoying his new digs, looking around the place, worries out loud to himself that his house is so nice and, oh, God is stuck over there in that little box under a tent. Y'all, you know, this is just my opinion, but I think maybe he must have literally thought that God was stuck in that little box over there. 
in the Ark of the Covenant, just stuck over there. So that means possibly that David was thinking, perhaps he just rescued God, right? It's like, uh, poor God, poor God in that little wooden box over there. How will I ever cheer him up? I don't know how to cheer him up. Oh, wait a second. Yes, I do. I know. Let's build him a bigger box. This is going to be fun. Let's do it. Well, let's see what God thought about David's I got this attitude. 2 Samuel, picking up in verse 4, chapter 7. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies." The Lord declares to you that the Lord Himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish His kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of His kingdom forever. Man. I only count two times that David's name is even mentioned in that section of Scripture. You got the gist of that, right? It's like, did you really just try and flex on me, David? For those of y'all that don't know what flexing is, it's when you try to exert your dominance over someone. Did you try to just do that, David? Listen, man, I'm the creator of the universe, David. I created you, little shepherd boy. And I took you out of the field and put you in this position of power. Do I need you to build me a house? Do I need that from you? You're only in this adorable little castle because I I put you there, right? I did that. I went before you and defeated your enemies. And I demoted Saul from his throne. And yes, I'm the one that's going to establish your kingdom forever. And I'm the one that's going to give you an heir to make your throne eternal one day. And I might build a house for myself, but you're not going to be the one to do it. In fact, it's going to be someone else. I know uh, all y'all are like, dang, David, that was dumb, you big dummy. What'd you do all that for? But <laughs> That's right. But don't we do that sometimes? We put God in a box. Here, God, come with me, but just stay in your little box. 
I'll call you when I need this. Why? Because I got this. Sometimes we hear a really great sermon, like the ones Pastor Mark preaches every Sunday. Or we'll go on a retreat, or we'll go to our Bible study, we'll feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and then we'll, we'll say to ourselves things like, you know what, I really do need to trust God with more of my life. I need to give Him something more of my life. Like, God, here you go, I'll trust you with my relationships, I'll trust you with my uh, college application, I'll trust you with my money. Here, God, I'll trust you with the Republicans or the Democrats. But all we really do is build them a bigger box. We're not surrendering every area of our life. Like, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you with this relationship. Uh, and I know it's not really working out the way you would have me have that relationship work out. But listen, this girl over here is so cute, and I just want to keep her forever. Uh, could you just leave that relationship alone, please? Just leave it alone. Like, God, I know you're calling me to overseas missions, and like, I want to, like I, I really do, like I really would, uh, but inflation is so bad right now. Inflation is so bad. And uh, I'm just thinking I need to go get this job, this corporate job, whatever it is, and, and, and save some money and uh, pay down some debt. And then, and then God, I'll, I'll go. I'll go over there. Like, God, you know, I, I, I know my kid wants to go serve you in the Ukraine. And, and like, that's cool. And everything. I'm like, really, I'm cool with that. Uh, except, uh, could you just let him get a job first and maybe get married and settle down and have 2.5 kids, a white picket fence and all this, right? A couple of dogs. Maybe let him pay off some school tuition. Oh, oh, but, you know, in fact, do you think you could just let him serve as a missionary here in Lufkin? Because we're all missionaries, right? Every time we do that, every time we put God in a box and keep little areas of our lives for ourselves, we are putting ourselves back on the throne. And what happens when we do that is we stop building God's kingdom and we start building our own. And here's the thing, guys, you know, just like David wouldn't be in that position of power, he wouldn't have been a king if God hadn't plucked him up out of the field and put him there, right? So you wouldn't be here today without God, right? And, and here's the big mystery, if it's a big mystery at all, is that God is on his throne. He is the king whether you recognize it or not, God is on His throne. Nothing you do on your own strength, nothing you do is on your own strength or your own dime. He created you. He gave you all those attributes, whether they're good or whether they're bad. He gave you those killer dimples that have worked for you your entire life, right? He's done all that for you. You think you're good looking? You better be glad he didn't make you an ugly baby. You think you're strong? He gave you the genes to develop that muscle. And if he needs to knock you on your seat, he knows where to find a good hurricane force wind to do that. Right? 
You think you're smart? You better hope God doesn't confuse your brains. Right? He can do it. The thing is, is that we belong to Him. Our life is in Him. And He can do with it what He wants. Listen, even Jesus didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. It tells us that in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 3. Don't be selfish. Uh, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourself as better, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to, to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name that is above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I believe that there are two responses we can have to all of this, right? When the Holy Spirit begins to convict us of our, our sinfulness, sinfulness and the various ways we try to kick God off of His throne, right? We can either bend the knee to Him or He can break our knee and we'll still bend. We can either humble ourselves or God will humble us. He will humble us for us. He will do it Himself. He will humble us. Let's pick it back up in 2 Samuel verse 18. Let's see what David, David chose to do. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, sovereign Lord? And what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord, for the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. How great are you, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you and there is no God but you. As we have heard with our own ears. And who is like your people Israel? The one nation on earth that God went out to redeem as a people for himself and to make a name for himself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations and their gods from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt. You have established your people, Israel, as your very own forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. Verse 28, Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy, and you have promised these good things to your servant. Now be pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever in your sight. For you, sovereign Lord, have spoken, and with your blessing, the house of your servant will be blessed forever. I know we just read a lot of scripture right there. What I want you to notice is the heart change in David. What a difference in his attitude, right? 
Sovereign Lord, Your servant, mere human, with Your blessing I will. David would later write in Psalm 51, the sacrifice that You, God, desire is a broken spirit. And You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God. We have to bend the knees, guys. If we claim to be a Christ follower, if we claim to love Jesus, follow Jesus, we have to humble ourselves before Him. We have no business on His throne. And He's given us a task. Build His kingdom. That is the point, right? You can only build God's kingdom if you're living in complete surrender to Him. Now that brings us around to sort of talking about God's will for us. And we're almost done, I promise. Almost done. If we're going to be a part of building God's kingdom, that means we're going to have to let go of our will and commit to His will. And like I said, I'm, I'm not here to beat you up spiritually this morning. I'm convicted daily of, my, of this very tendency to, you know, put myself back on the throne of my life. And so what I want to do is close by making sure you know what God's will is for you. All right, if I'm going to build God's kingdom, well, how do I do that? What is God's will? What does He want me to do? Because many of us are going to be asking this, these kinds of questions, especially our graduates, like what major should I pursue? Uh, what, what coursework should I, should I do? Should I do coursework and, and you know, work in the real world? At the same time, is God's will for me to marry this guy that I just met two weeks into college? To take this job or that job, to change my major, to become a missionary, all these questions that we're trying to answer. What's really neat is it's good to ask God for wisdom because in James he tells us to ask him for wisdom and that he is generous and that he will give it when we ask. And that's comforting. Because I'm a dum-dum. Listen, I think I can sum up God's will for you in two passages. The first is Matthew 22, 36 through 40. We know this as the greatest commandment. And the second. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Love God. Love people. What does that even really mean? We'll go to some more scripture. John chapter 15 says this in verse 9. I've loved you. This is Jesus talking. I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Listen, he just answered both of those questions, Jesus did, right here. What does it mean to love God? What does it mean to love People, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. That's how you know you love God. 
you obey Him. Not because you necessarily understand, not even necessarily because you agree, but because He said so. I used to hate that when my mom said that, because I said so. Mom, why can't I go to the party with my friends? Can I go to the party with my friends? No. Why? Because I said so. Oh, that's not a reason. It is. It's a pretty good reason. Amber and I have changed it kind of slightly for our kids. Mom, why do I have to clean my room? Because I asked you to. Because I said so, number one. Number two, because you love me. You love me, right? At least I think you love me. Go clean your room. When you obey like that, Jesus says it's going to fill you with joy. That's amazing. Not just fill you with joy, but like that it will overflow. I'm a very bubbly person a lot of times. That's the joy of the Lord coming out of me. And coffee. (laughs) How do we love people? Verse 13. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life. I mean, that's really what we've been talking about this entire morning, right? Is that we need to put aside our selfish desires, our own wants, desires, our selfish ambition, so that we can love God and do what He tells us and love people. Serving others works in the same way when you put your needs aside so that you can meet the need of someone else. You serve someone. You show them love. Like when you let that person just cut you off in traffic and you don't say a word. That's really hard to do, by the way. It's really hard to do. Or like when you're in your dorm rooms and you let your uh, roommate just watch TV all night even though you hate it. Even though you hate it. You show them love. Verse 40 of Matthew 22 says that all the law is fulfilled in these two commandments. All the law is fulfilled. There are other places in Scripture that help us know very straightforwardly what God's will is for our lives. Like in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances, like in, even in the ones that suck, yep. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's very straightforward. It doesn't need a lot of exegesis, right? It's like rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. So the greatest commandment is the first part of God's will for your life. And the second part, very generalized, right, is the Great Commission. Matthew 28. We're drawing close. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because I have all authority in heaven and earth, and you love me, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This was the final instructions Jesus gave His disciples 
before He ascended back into heaven to be at the Father's right hand. Go tell the world about me. Every single one of them. Black, white, brown, pink, liberals, conservatives, Asians, Texans, communists, tyrants, even the Russians. Tell them all. The immigrant, the refugee, the ones that are easy to love, the ones that are hard to love. Baptize them. Bring them into the fellowship, right? Teach them to obey my commands. Disciple them, right? That's it. That's God's will for you. Love God. Love others. Tell them about Jesus. You can do that in a penthouse. You can do that underneath the bridge. It doesn't matter. Everywhere you go. And that's where, that's where I had it wrong, you know? I thought God's will for me was to be successful, be important, get a few accolades. Not very many because I didn't go to school very long, okay? But just a few. Get awards, get recognition, exert myself, assert myself, get out there, be financially secure. But I wasn't building God's kingdom in any of those moments. I was building my own. And God knows I was trying to take all the credit for it too. Graduates, I encourage you, let's go from this place with a new understanding. Let our kingdom crumble so we don't get in the way of what He's doing. So what do we do with all this? How can we move forward with making our kingdom crumble? I think one thing that we can do is to say the prayer, to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Not something like it, but actually the words He asked us to pray. He taught us to pray. They're so powerful. It says this. Jesus says, this then, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver, deliver us from the evil one. Does it say my kingdom come? Does it say my will be done? No. Let our prayer be for God's kingdom to come. Listen, I got, I got news for you. The hardest part about that prayer, about that statement, really isn't accepting that there's a supreme being, that there's only one true God. The hardest part about that is accepting the fact that my will is different from His will. His will is entirely different from mine. His kingdom is upside down from mine. Right? Where I am just totally focused on selfish ambition and making my name great and asserting myself. God's kingdom is about making His name great. Denying myself, as Jesus says, right? If you want to be my follower, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. That's the only way to be a Christ follower. His kingdom is altogether different. And the problem is, is that those two kingdoms are coming together. 
And we have this old nature in us that wants what it wants, whenever it wants it, with whomever it wants it with. And God is saying, no, deny yourself that and follow me because the best life isn't now. The best life is to come. When you pray your kingdom come, your will be done. Be done. You're making the choice to serve His kingdom and to accept His will even if it means giving up your own ideas of what you think your life should be. What if we prayed, Lord, in my grandmother's health, let Your will be done and help me accept the outcome. Help me be brave. What if we prayed, God, let Your will be done in relation to this job and let me be okay with the outcome. Help me accept Your will. And God, I'm going to trust You to provide. God, let Your will be done in this relationship. And, and help me be strong if it needs to end and I need to be the one to end it. God, help me make Your name great today. Not mine to give You credit today. What's on Your agenda today? Like, God, I have this little plan over here. I want to do this, 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 and this. But help me keep my eyes open to where you would lead. When we pray that God's will be done, God's kingdom come, what we're actually praying is my kingdom crumble. Can we just read that together, that prayer? Let this be your prayer today. And then we'll close. It says this, Pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Graduates, as you pursue the next chapter of your life, pray this prayer every single day. Pray it. Whatever it is you come to do with a profession, build His kingdom. Whatever friends you decide to keep, build His kingdom. Wherever you decide to live, Build His kingdom in your family, in the one you may have in the future. Build His kingdom. And for the rest of us, build His kingdom. Let's pray, and then we'll close. Father in heaven, we do recognize You as holy. You are altogether different. You are above us. Your ways are not our ways. You are creator. You are king. You are Lord. And God, in these moments, we just want to say that we surrender. Here we are with our hands open. All we have is yours because you are the source. We give you all of our lives. Help us to see where you're leading. Open our eyes to know how to build your kingdom. 
Remind us when we try to build our own. Give us courage to step back off the throne and, and let you take the lead again. We're all so guilty of that. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Again, Lord, we are so thrilled for our graduates this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you go with them. God, I pray that you, that you will reveal yourself to them as they continue in their life. That they would see opportunities all over the place to build your kingdom. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Out before 11. We love you guys. Have a good day. You are dismissed.